0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: And engage them to correct them. Oddly enough, in this one passage, it doesn't say to do that. Other times, it does say to speak forth the truth, etc. But in this situation, it's a little different. Now look up here. Let me see if I can clearly explain it. When you have someone that is so solid in what they want to teach and they're rock solid in that and they're causing divisions by what they're saying in your midst, then it says get away from them. If they're on the outside of your fellowship, you might want to engage them. And I say might, but be very, very careful if you do. If they're teaching ignorantly, they're not causing divisions, they're just ignorant in their truth, what do you do? You engage them. Where's my model on that? Same chapter. Aquila and Priscilla had a man who was teaching doctrine that was different than what Paul was teaching. Aquila and Priscilla took that man, a great orator, a great speaker, Apollos, privately and taught him the word of God more accurately. Apollos was not one who dug his heels and this is what I believe, you're wrong and I'm going to teach you guys how wrong you were he was very teachable and he listened to Quill and Priscilla and later on if you follow Apollos' life you're going to see that he clarified his doctrine and he made a much better approach to it because it was more correct and clear now that being said, be very careful with those who are around you, turn away from them for those of you that are not knowledgeable in that other doctrine or maybe even in your own yet be very careful not to engage them stay where you're safe Then it says, for such men are slaves, those that are teaching the false teaching. They're slaves, but they're not slaves to the Lord. What are they a slave to? Their own appetites. We would say their own desires, their own passions. They've got another agenda. They have another motive, and it's all about them. And it says, and by their
0: smooth
1: talking and their flattery speech. In other words, they're great wordsmiths. They have a lot of surround sound and technicolor in what they're presenting. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. That would be those of you who are hearing my message but not listening to it so much. You might be hearing this and, okay, Stan, get to the next point. This is kind of of icky right here. That would be ones who are unlearned, that are not really paying attention to the seriousness of this. You're unsuspecting. That means it can come in so subtly. Then it says, for the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I'm rejoicing over you all. Notice how he gives them the warning, then he reminds them how good they're doing. But I want you to be wise to what is good and innocent to what is evil. Now, it will always be sinful, but innocent to what is evil means this. means simply, this is very important. You don't have to go into the sinful world and find out what they do and what they believe and how they live and live like them, act like them, embrace their values so you could reach them for Christ. You might... Be like them in the sense that I don't wear a coat and tie on Sunday because people look at me and I'm weird, so I'm more like you. But on the other hand, not weird like you. That sounded crazy. didn't <laughs> No, you'll be weird like me. All right. So anyway, back to this. But the point of the matter is those are surfacey issues. They are not doctrinal. They're not mind-thinking. They're not thinking issues. That we can change with. But when we deal with the doctrine part, we have to be very, very careful of that. And so he says, in those situations, when we come into the evil world, we don't have to know the evil world. Some people say, well, in order to see how bad pornography is, I need to look at pornography. If I'm going to work with men's ministry, I've got to go drinking with them. I don't think that that's necessary. And that's what he's saying here. Be ignorant of the evil that's out there. Don't have to know it all to be able to reach them. I like what another guy said. He says, you don't have to be a horse to judge a horse show. I think you got what I'm saying there. Now, the real issue would be, why is this important? One reason is is because when you get into their world and you start being like them, you're not spiritually protected. You kind of put yourself underneath and around a lot of satanic false teaching. And that could really play a number on you, even emotionally. It'll affect you. You'll start really questioning things. You start having doubts, and now you not know what to do, and so now you try, and now you're all confused, and when you're all confused, and what's the best thing to do is get away from anything that brings you confusion, and all that does is it pushes you further away from what the truth is, and you're out here in la-la land, and you're not able to grow, and he says don't do that, but there's also another reason. Sometimes when you immerse yourself trying to work with those who already are so committed to what they believe, and they don't want to learn, and they're causing divisions, you could be wasting time and energy from a world that desperately says, please tell me the truth. I'm ignorant. I just want to know the truth. Please help me. And come out there and try to reach them for Christ. So keep a couple of these things in mind and just be careful that sometimes they'll have a lot of smooth talking and uh, they like to deceive us. So we want to have the proper balance. Well, let's go to number three. This kind of brings us almost to the end of the chapter, doesn't it? He says, give greetings from others. And I like that. He now says, Timothy, Lucius, Jason, Tertius, Erastus, Gaius, quartus all a bunch of names. I described who they were. But as I look at that, here's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a group of guys that were with Paul in one location, and he's remembering them as well to greet the others. So here's what's happening. Watch up here. It's not you got the Christians up here that are over in Rome, and you got Paul. He's looking like the good guy because he remembers everybody, so it's all about Paul. No, what he's doing is he's saying, you know what? I'm going to drag all these other great guys and I'm going to have them meet you as well. And perhaps it's quite possible that the group in Rome knew these guys in Corinth and he was letting them know that we're all on the same team. We're all one team, one dream, working together for the same purpose and I'm uniting all these people together as best as we could. So here's my suggestion to you. When you write your Christmas letter to your family and friends and you say, greet so-and-so and and don't forget to say hi to so-and-so, add some other people in your letter as well. Make sure that everybody is kind of brought into this thing, that we're all in this thing together. You can't divide us. You can't split us. I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago, but maybe some of you weren't here to hear this, and it's so important, especially at this history of our church. When um, Carol and I came here, we um, were given a wonderful associate pastor in Dennis and Vivian, his wife, and uh, we just fell in love with them, and they lowered their standards and fell in love with us. But even though we were together on this thing, and you know Dennis's personality is a lot different than mine. He's hard-driving, dominant, directed, no, 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 he's just different, all right? And I'm different. And you would think, wow, how did they ever make it really work? Christ, love, mercy from him, grace, all of that. And I'm saying all that to say this. A couple of years into that relationship of serving together here, I uh, had someone come to our to, to me who'd been a part of a church that had a lot of dissension in it, a lot of yin, 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 a lot of different groups and schisms and, and real respect for one pastor, not so much for another. and you know how they, that happens if you 've ever been in a church like that and you're new, hey, it happens in churches it's a family, God says it shouldn't be that way, but it is. But say, how can we don 't see that here? Oh it doesn't mean that there was not people who loved Dennis and loved me. But the reason there wasn't these splits and divisions and this, that, and the other is because of this. Listen very carefully. Is because Dennis and I, we respected one another privately and publicly. Whatever things we disagreed with, we disagreed with it in a very private place. We talked it out and got into the unity room together. Um, and then we learned and we moved forward to it, w- with it. So together, so when a husband and a wife, or better yet, a mom and a dad, are united on all those essential issues and are constantly affirming one another... It brings peace and comfort. It brings security and safety in the family. And that's what's going to happen here. Long after I'm gone, as we see these two men come together and work together. And I I have a model for that. I have the Apostle Paul. I'm sure these guys had different personalities, guys and gals, two different cities, probably two different big cultures even. And yet somehow Paul was saying, let's all come together. Let's work together. Let's not leave anybody out. Everybody's on the train. Everybody's in the canoe. We're all paddling in the same direction. Knowledge is doing the same cadence. That's what's happening here. And that's what he did. And so that's a great lesson. Well, now to the last few verses and we'll be done. The last is to give glory to God. This is such a neat doxology here because it really centers around that which the entire book was about and that would be the gospel. Look at it if you will. All right, verse 25 through 27. It says, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. Now, it sounds like this was Paul's gospel. In a way, it was, but it was God's gospel, and so Paul took God's gospel to himself, and so God's gospel became his gospel. He didn't take someone else's gospel. He took God's gospel, and he had a little bit of ownership of it. Now, look up here for a second. Now, this is going to get a little technical, but I want to stretch you a little bit. In the book of Galatians, it talks about someone else who's preaching another gospel than Paul was preaching. And he says, God, be damned those people. He, that's what it says, condemned, anathema of those people who preached another gospel. So there is gospels that are out there, and that would mean there's another gospel, all right, than what we're teaching. And Paul is saying, this is my gospel. But he goes a little bit further to make sure it's not just about him, and he says... And the preaching of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news. That's what the word gospel means. What is the gospel? It's the death and resurrection of Christ. That's the gospel. That's his gospel. He's not going to preach someone else's message for salvation that lends, uh, tends to lend the person to hell. It's his gospel. What is it? The preaching of Christ. He's going to present Christ the center of the gospel. And then he says, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for so long, so many ages, but is now made known, manifest the word made known. Now it's kind of revealed to everybody by the scriptures of the prophets, the writings of the prophets. So in other words, it isn't something that began in Jerusalem when Pentecost happened, when the church started a few decades ago, he's saying, this is all the way back to the Old Testament Jewish people. They're all talking about this if they know their scriptures, because in the scriptures was pointing everybody to Christ, the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world. All right, then it says, according to the commandment of the eternal God. So it's not just Jesus starting this on his own. This all came from a bigger source, in a sense, we're saying, from God. I'm not saying Jesus wasn't God, but I'm saying this thing came even before the God-man came to this earth in Christ. And it's been made known to all the nations at that time, leading to the obedience of faith. It doesn't mean you work for your salvation. It just means the obedience of faith means when Jesus says, he that believes on me has everlasting life. It's like a command. And if I obey that command, I put my faith in Christ, that's obedience of faith. I'm obeying it by placing my faith in Christ to the only wise God. Now, if you will, just look up here for a second and I'm I'm just about done. I really am. Those of you who remember the Apostle Paul, this is um so cool. When Paul talked about the flattering words of these people who with their sweet conversation lure you to their false teaching and thus create divisions, and when you divide a church, you destroy a church. Listen carefully. You will never see a growing church numerically and spiritually when there's conflict going on in the church. You will always see conflict on the, in the church when there is pride in the church and some degree of false teaching going on. So keep that in mind. If you look at the Apostle Paul, when he went to... Um, Ephesus at the very end as he was hugging on the elders, the leaders of the church of Ephesus he was hugging them but the last thing he was saying to them was this, with tears he says remember when I came here, I came here with humility and with tears I warned you night and day that there'll be people coming in that'll steal the seed of truth from you, there'll be people from your own self that'll steal the truth he was constantly telling him, I love you guys I came in with humility I taught you the truth and the gospel I gave you my own life but I want to warn you these folks will come in and destroy you. Leave there, and he goes to another little tiny church in Thessalonica. And then he writes the little letter back. And in that first little letter he wrote to him, he said the same. He said, with humility, I loved on you. And he said, I loved you so much that I saw you as, as like a little child being taken care of by the child's, not nurse, but like a nurse who loves her own child. He says, I did that for you. That's the Apostle Paul. And in Rome, Romans here, here's what he does. He takes Romans chapter 1 and he says this. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile, meaning it's the gospel that goes global. Then he tells you what the gospel is, basically in the first five chapters, that it's by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Then he talks about how to live that gospel life in a sanctified life, then using your gifts to do this, serving in the church, and then at the end, what does he say? It's still all about the gospel. Take a moment and do something weird right now. You want to do something real weird? Take your arm, put down your, your Bibles and your go like this. Like that. No, don't worry we're not gonna have you fly, you're not gonna jump up and down, we're not gonna do anything like that. But I want you to just take one hand, that's one gospel. The next hand, the other gospel. The beginning and the end is the gospel. You can quit doing that for now if you'd like. But listen to something else. I think in the context here, because he's warning them that you would be drawn away from these people, drawn away from what? The sound teaching that you know and you believe you're drawn away from that. Wouldn't it be horrible if most of your life, since you trusted Christ as your Savior, as a believer, you lived for the Lord and then at the end you got sloppy with your Bible study and you were drawn away with that? from the gospel, I pray that's not the case. I pray that as a 16-year-old little kid who knew very little about the Bible but knew that he was lost, knew he needed a Savior, knew that Christ was a Savior, knew that the only way to get there was by heaven, was by faith alone in Christ, that that message that I will be preaching when they're wheeling me on a stretcher, at the very end of my life, the last words that I could say would be the gospel. I um, will close with this because he then gives a great doxology of Christ so we don't realize we don't worship the gospel, we worship the Christ of the gospel. I have three friends that were my students in Bible college. That tells you how old I am already. They were my students. One's named Steve, one's named Tom, and a gal named Robin. Steve was saved at a young age. He was nothing more, stay with me, than what people might say, a custodian in a church. That's all he was. I have another friend named Tom. Tom would drive an hour and a half to his classes every day and drive home an hour and a half of classes. He went into the ministry as an associate pastor. He, he, he never had the senior pastor, lead pastor, top dog, head hog at the trough title. He was just one of the guys on the team. And then Robin. Robin was the housewife took care of the family, took care of her husband, who was a teacher in a Christian school, made very little money, but she kept the family going with her husband. All three of them in this last year have been diagnosed with cancer. I called Tom on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and I said, Tom, I just heard Facebook about you not doing well. He said, yeah, Stan, I'm not, but God is. Right off the bat, God is. And he said, you know, um, I have prostate cancer. It's moved into my bones. I've done everything that I possibly can. I'm They're mainlining as much as they can, but really there's, apart from America, there's, there's just no hope. And he says, I'm in a wheelchair most of the time. I will go from a chair or wheelchair to another chair with a cane. My church is so good to me, they let me come to the staff meetings. I do come to prayer meetings about all that I have the strength for. And he says, because I want to go out telling people about Jesus. And then he took up 20 minutes of my time about people he was sharing the gospel with that were all in the medical field that are dealing with him. So he says, that's now my mission field. He began with the gospel, Romans 1. He was going to end his life with the gospel. Steve, interesting enough, this little guy, I remember him when he was in our, I was dean of men, so I knew the guy didn't know much about the gals, but as dean of men of the Bible college, he was in my office all the time because he was one of those if I say this in love, please realize, I don't know how to say this better. He was a southern hillbilly, okay? I don't have a negative feeling, but they're, they have a culture. And so he was in my office all the time trying to figure out everything. And he would be in there. But he was as faithful as, as your best dog you could ever have. Nobody hated him. There was no drama around him. Everybody loved him. I've been following his saga for the last year with cancer. So I called him, or actually I should say he called me on Wednesday, and he said, Hey, Stan, I hear you're moving to Orlando. I live in Orlando. You're going to need some friends. I want to be your friend. I said, Really? But aren't you sick? He said, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really sick, but I want to be your friend to the end. I said, Well, I'll, I, I could use all the friends I can get. Believe me, I can. And he said, Okay, when you come, we're going to get together. And I said, You bet. You're going to be in my life. He said, pray for me because on Thursday I go back to get my final report. He never called me back after that. I saw him on Facebook. I'd like to read to you what he said. And this is a testimony to the gospel. A good way to end this book, beginning and ending with the gospel. Here's what he wrote to everybody. I'm not so special that he wrote this to me alone. He says, thank you for your prayers and kind words. It's encouraging today. It's a very special day. Here's what he said. My cancer update. This week I went to the Southeast Regional Prostate Cancer Treatment Center. I was informed that my cancer is stage four and too advanced for surgery, radiation, or anything else. I'd like to question that a little bit, but that's where he's at. The cancer has spread to three lymph nodes. I will continue taking hormone therapy. I do not know what that means. I don't have any of the symptoms that people usually have with stage four cancer, but I've never been normal. Part of me wants to say, "Woohoo! I get to be with Jesus. I get to see my daddy. Watch this. I get to see my Nancy. The day he wrote this was the fourth anniversary of his wife's death of cancer. If anybody could shake their fist at God, it'd probably be someone like Steve Partain. And then he goes on to say, Another part of me thinks I'd rather remain here, but whatever is more necessary, God is in control. Please pray for God's will in my life. And then he continues to praise the Lord in subsequent Facebook posts just since this last week. The only thing that could give a person that kind of a spirit that's sustaining in the midst of that kind of loss and tragedy is someone who began with the gospel, did not get sidetracked with false teachers that would steal his joy from him, But to stay with the gospel to the very end and to realize it's the Christ of the gospel that's the center of his life. And so to finish the book of Romans is a wonderful time, a wonderful place for us to remember that we're all here today because of the gospel. And now let's stay with the gospel until Jesus comes again with every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you, dear ones, might be thinking, wow, what is this gospel that did so much for Steve and Robin and Tom and so many others, even these names I can't pronounce that that the pastor talked about. Well, that gospel is nothing more than good news. And what's good news if I tell you, be good, and if you die, you might get to heaven, but you won't know till you get there. And I don't know how much good good works you got to do. Just keep doing good works. Just keep doing them. I, I can't do that. You know what the good news is? That you can be absolutely positive that when you die, you're going to be absent from your body and you'll be present with the Lord in time so that you can then spend eternity with Him and what you'll be spending eternity is not just in the glories of heaven with all the other believers and worshiping and praising and singing for Him. You will be with Him. There's no one like Christ and you'll be in heaven. No more sin, sorrow, sickness, disease, pain, separation. You'll be in heaven and it's because of what Christ did for you and that, The only thing you do in return is to simply say, you know, I don't understand all of this. And it's a lot there. But you don't have to understand all of this. All you have to do is, with childlike faith, take Jesus' word. When Jesus says, hey, hey, he, you, if you believe in me, you'll have everlasting life. Now, the believing is a lot more than just realizing he's one important figure in history. Believing in Him and believing Him. Believing Him is when He says, I am the Lord, I am God in the flesh. Believe me that I've come to take away the sin of the world. Believe Him when He speaks after His resurrection alive to show you that yes, He did die because that was the sin payment being made. But He did more than that, He rose again from the dead. You believe that. Now you depend upon Him because he says if you trust in him, he'll forgive you of all sin. Now, there's no works in there, is it? Do you hear any good works? You have to be baptized, join a church, stop this, start that. No, 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 no. Do you have to believe? Yep, yep, yep. Is believe the only way? Absolutely. As one person says, it's the only work that's not a work to get to heaven. It's the obedience of trusting Christ. Well, if you're trusting him as your Savior, I, I'd like to talk to you. I'll be around afterwards. My wife will be if you'd rather speak to a lady. And then certainly, you got that little communication card. That's an opportunity for you to kind of let us know today is the day you did that or you'd like for someone to call, talk to you. We'll be around. But you can do it right now in your mind. Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. We all are. I've done something wrong. I missed the mark. I'm not perfect. But I believe that Jesus died for me. And I'm now calling upon you to be my Savior. Then you'll be a part of the community of Believers. You'll be a part of the family of God. You will be a part of the genuine, spiritual Ohana forever and ever. I pray you'll trust Christ. begins with the gospel, ends with the gospel. And those of us who know Christ as Savior, it is worshiping the Christ of the gospel and communicating the gospel to a world that needs it. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love and your grace. I thank you for these dear people. I thank you, Father, for the friends that Carol and I have been able to make all these years and the continued friendship that we'll have long into the future until you come again. Father, we know that our friendship is eternal because we have trusted Christ as Savior and that together because of the gospel, we're going to spend it with you. So help us to love each other right where we are, but not just leave each other there, but to help each other to grow in grace and the knowledge of you. Thank you, Father, for what we've all learned from the truths that are taught in the book of Romans. Help us all realize that there is so much more to learn and that perhaps anything that I've done was just to excite and interest people to have more curiosity for the Word of God, especially Romans, and now we'll go a little bit further in it. And I have complete confidence that they'll see that the message is still salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And as the Apostle Paul wrote, It is for the glory of God alone. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida.